0: One of the most difficult things I have ever attempted took me about five years between the years 1985 and 1990 when I earned a master's degree in divinity from Fuller Theological Seminary. I'm going to admit something this morning that I did not tell the pastor nominating committee back in 1996 when I was candidating to be your pastor 22 years ago. The seminary has a policy that allows students to take a number of classes on a pass-fail basis. I believe they still do this. And you can take classes so that if you pass the class, your transcript will just say CR, credit. And it doesn't affect your your grade point average. So I knew that the last stretch of courses for me in 19, late 88, 89, early 1990, I knew that those, that was going to be a difficult time. I was a full-time associate pastor. I had a large youth group I was in charge of. I also had a large music ministry, worship ministry I was in charge of. This is a a church in Seattle, Bethany Community Church. Plus, Chris and I had three young children at home. It was very, very busy. I was taking two classes per quarter, so I was also officially a half time student in addition to all of that. So I saved my pass fail options until the end of my seminary experience, and I used them when I was especially busy. All I needed to do was just make sure I passed. Now, to be clear, I still had to study. And um, in, those, in at least one of those classes, I remember the professor coming to me the last week and asking why I took his class pass-fail. Apparently, I had an A in the class anyway. But my strategy was really had the desired effect. It really did. My classes, those classes I took pass-fail were fun, I mean, it was great. I rediscovered the joy of learning. I literally had nothing to lose. It, it made the last three quarters of seminary kind of feel like a, a victory lap. You know, it was like, I got, I got this. I was able to stop and smell the roses a little. I knew I had my degree in the bag so I could enjoy the ride a little. So this victory lap mentality is actually something I see in today's passage. Peter asks this question. Now, who will harm you if you're eager to do what is good? Verse 13. And then, do not fear, do not be intimidated. Verse 14. He closes this passage by reminding his readers... That Jesus Christ, though he was put to death, was made alive in the spirit. And that he is at the right hand of God. And get this, with all authorities at his command, whether earthly authorities or heavenly authorities, basically, Jesus Christ is in charge. Of all authorities, Peter is saying. He's the boss. Peter is saying, and basically, I think, you can live your lives as a kind of victory lap. You have nothing to be afraid of. Jesus has taken care of it. He's in charge. Now, this is... Congruent with what we see elsewhere in the New Testament. We see it in actually a very famous passage in Romans chapter 8. I think these are familiar words to you. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear the same sentiment there? We are victorious. We can... Stand victorious because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. In our text this morning, Peter is writing to people who are, as we have said, under pressure. They're a small ragtag group of people who are following Jesus, who face giant opposition from the surrounding culture. But here's the main point. Peter wants them to be ready. This is verse 15. Peter wants them to be ready to speak up and to tell anyone why they're living the way they are. To be ready to give an account to anyone who demands it of them, an account for the hope that is within them. He wants them to have confidence and not fear. I'm reminded of the saying Dr. Craig Barnes uses to describe those who were the first followers of Jesus. They knew that in Jesus' death and resurrection, they too had gotten their dying over with. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, they too had been promised eternal life. Therefore, they were totally unafraid. No one could do anything to them that would hurt them ultimately because they had gotten the dying over with. So, Peter is teaching these folks live like this. You are on your victory lap. Jesus is in charge of everything. Even those in governmental authority are under the control of Jesus. Live fearlessly, live joyfully. Be ready to tell anyone who asks you why you have hope. So I've been spending a lot of time this week thinking about this. I've been looking at my life, my attitudes, My actions. I've been trying to think honestly about how, how I feel when I'm in the presence of somebody, uh, friends or family, somebody who does not believe the way I believe. And I, and I know they don't believe. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Why do I feel a little bit threatened by that situation? Why? I want want to invite you to do this with me. How willing are you to openly share your experience of faith? You're accounting for the hope that's within you. Do you feel hesitant in some situations? Do you hold back? Do you have trouble finding the right words? If so, I suggest to you that there is something that could change this for you. Remind yourself that you have nothing to lose. You don't need to be afraid. Even if there's short term suffering involved, and Peter is clear about this, he says, You may suffer but no harm will come to you. Do you know suffering and harm are two different things? Harm has more of a permanent quality to it. Suffering is temporary. You may suffer, but no harm can come to you because Jesus is already victorious. You can be joyfully confident as you talk about your faith, and it will have an effect. It may make all the difference for those around you. Some of you may know that last week we lost my brother Clark to brain cancer. He's actually the first of my seven siblings to die. I'm the youngest of eight kids. So I've often thought about this, that it was likely that I was going to experience the loss of my siblings during my life. However, none of us expected it to be Clark first. He's actually number five of the eight of us. So he has four older siblings. But what I want to share with you this morning is how Clark handled this. From the very first diagnosis three and a half years ago, then through both brain surgeries and Chemo and other therapies, he constantly said this it's going to be okay because I'm going to be with Jesus. Over and over again, I heard Clark say that. Here was a man with no fear of death, none whatsoever. For he knew that the power of human physical death was conquered by the resurrection of Jesus. Clark took literally every opportunity to share this reality. With joy and and eager anticipation just written all over his face, he would tell anyone, everyone, it's okay. Okay. I'm going to be with Jesus. He talked about Jesus constantly for these last three years. Even in his last week, when under hospice care and under the powerful influence of morphine, he struggled out of that fog for a few moments to to speak very clearly. His words were not coming to him for the last two years, I mean, it was difficult for him to string words together and even express himself. But somehow he was able to do this about a week and a half ago. He came out of the fog for a moment and he spoke very clearly to one family member for whom he had special concern. And he said, you need to believe in Jesus. He said that sentence just like that. Everybody was just stunned because he really hadn't been speaking. You need to believe in Jesus. You see, he lived the last three years as one big victory lap no fear, no hesitation, complete and utter joy. Not even death could take that away. Wow. I want to live my life like that. How about you? Join me in prayer. Lord as I look down at this table this morning I'm just struck by the fact that this, that's what this is all about the body of Christ and the blood of Christ in that through your death and resurrection Jesus you have turned everything upside down We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to hesitate. Yes, Lord, we're also reminded in this passage, it says that when we speak, we are to do it with gentleness and with reverence. Lord, may that always be true of us as well. But underneath it, Lord, we pray that you would just give us the confidence. Help us to remember that our life can be like one big victory lap. For we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.